Great morning to you, Emmanuel. Uh, thank you very much, music team. Thank you, uh, boys family. You guys look good up here. And uh, thank you for joining with us today. Um, you know what, if you looked around, it, it, it took me a little while to get here this morning because I had to go through detour to detour to detour. I don't know if that was you or if you've spent time this week going to detour to detour to detour. And I think sometimes God actually puts detours in our life just to kind of slow us down, to kind of remind us of what's going on, um, actually, and to stop and, and talk to him. And um, hopefully you talk to him in the detour. Um, and sometimes somebody else has detours. But I think we need to pray because God is here. We want to recognize him as we have been in song. Um, but he also wants us to talk to him about detours and where life is taking us, where he is leading us in the life that he has for us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you're a good God. Whether we recognize it or not, you're a good God. Father, you're a great God. Again, whether we recognize it, whether we feel it, whether we know it, you're a great God. We can look around and see the amazing creation that you have given. We can look at the detail and see how much you care about life. Father, we love your presence. We love your salvation that came through Jesus Christ, comes through Jesus Christ. We love you, Holy Spirit, for um, living within us, being with us each and every day, every moment whether we're awake or whether we sleep, whether in, we're in control or whether we're out of control. Lord, we don't often understand, I think, why things happen, and we struggle. We struggle with the not knowing, but we even struggle also with what happens. And today, Father, we want to we hand your world over to you. And Lord, I think of our world in all the challenges that it faces from new COVID strains to absolute selfishness that is destroying countries, destroying families, destroying our world, at least on the human side. Father, there are many people that are hurting. We need you. We need your hope. We need your peace. We need your protection. And I ask for that. I ask for that um, for those serving you each and every day. I ask for that for those who are risking their lives for us by building dikes. <laughs> I ask for that, those who are risking their lives by driving so we can have food and we can have gas and we can have all those things that we enjoy and probably take for granted and probably even get mad at if we don't get them and get them in the right way and at the right time. <laughs> Lord, I'm sorry. You still provide. Lord, thank you for the opportunity for us to provide for our neighbors. I think of those even who are amongst us here um, who have just been stranded out of our homes, maybe again. We heard of the waters rising again last night and people having to leave and being displaced. And Father, we thank you for the homes that uh, have opened up their doors for us to go into. And Lord, we thank you for the sharing that was done last night, even for, or last Sunday from here, and, and uh, of people helping people. Lord, um, none of us would want the persecution that we 
are struggling with, the challenges that we face. But it always calls us to call upon you and to recognize your presence. So we're there. We need you. Father, you challenge us, and you will challenge us this morning, our hearts. But as you challenge us, you also give us encouragement. And that never gets old. (laughs) We need your encouragement. We need you to lift us up from what we see. We need you to lift us up from the pain we feel. We need you to lift us up from the uh, hopelessness that we um, get told over and over in our hearts and in our minds and from culture around us. And when you encourage us, and we ask for that this morning, to meet the challenges that are before us, you give us this thing called hope, and my goodness, our world is desperate for hope. You tell us we are an example of hope. Renew that example. Renew that hope within our lives. We are desperate for you. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Mission Impossible. Good morning, Mr. Chapman. That's me, by the way, if you didn't know. This is your mission, so should you choose to accept it? Christmas is fast approaching. Your wife, Karen, is in need of some Christmas cheer. You must do something to bring her joy. I don't even see Karen... I wonder how this got up here. Anyways, you cannot repeat gifts from your past like the 12 days of purge you did last year which she could dispose of anything she wanted to around the house. You cannot ask your kids for ideas. Shoot. It appears Santa Claus's naughty list knows your name because of some pranking involved this past year. And no, you cannot go to his twin brother, Santa Amazon, because you know the last thing Karen wants is more stuff. Hmm. If you do not succeed in bringing her joy, you will forfeit watching Hallmark movies for a year. (laughs) It may not be the same for you. That's pain. You have 27 days in which to accomplish this task. No, you cannot ask your beloved dog for help. But you might want to consider prayer. <laughs> what, what's your mission impossible? What's your mission impossible? What is our church's mission impossible? was going to come from the manger, didn't you? What is Jesus going to tell us this morning? What's our mission impossible? If you have your Bibles, you can open with them. I'm not going to put it on the screen this morning, but you can open with in John chapter 10, okay? John chapter 10, and I'm going to read it for you. What is 
are mission impossible today? What does God have for us? What does he want us to know? Where does he want us to go? Who does he want us to go with, to go to? says this in uh, John chapter 10. The prayer was no sooner prayed than it was answered. Jesus called 12 of his followers and sent them into the right fields. He gave them power to kick out the evil spirits and to tenderly care for the bruised and hurt lives. This is the list of 12 he sent. Simon, they called him Peter or the Rock. Andrew, his brother. James, Zebedee's son. John, his brother, Philip, Bartholomew, Thomas, Matthew, the taxman, James, son of Alphaeus, Thaddeus, Simon, the Canaanite, and Judas Iscariot, who later turned on him. Jesus sent the twelve harvest hands out with his charge, and this is his charge to those who follow him, which includes us today. Here's our mission. Don't begin by traveling to some far-off place to convert unbelievers, and don't try to be dramatic by tackling some public enemy. Go to the lost, confused people right here in your neighborhood. Tell them that the kingdom is here. Bring health to the sick. Raise the dead. Touch the untouchables. Kick out the demons. You have been treated generously, so live generously. If some of you are struggling as you're reading through, my apologies. I'm reading a paraphrase. Don't think you have, is verse 9, don't think you have to put on fundraising campaign before you start. You don't need a lot of equipment. You are the equipment, and all you need to keep that is going is three meals a day, so travel light. When you enter a town or village, don't insist on staying in a luxury inn. Get a modest place with some modest people and be content there until you leave. Verse 12. When you knock on the door, be courteous in your greeting. If they welcome you, be gentle in your conversation. If they don't welcome you, quietly withdraw. Don't make a scene. Shrug your shoulders and be on your way. You can sure be sure that on the judgment day, they might, pardon me, they'll be mighty sorry. But it's no concern of yours right now. Verse 16, stay alert. This is hazardous work I'm assigning you. You're going to be like sheep running through a wolf pack, so don't call attention to yourselves. Be as shrewd as a snake and inoffensive as a dove. Verse 17, don't be naive. Some people will question your motives. Others will smear your reputation just because you believe in me. Don't be upset when they haul before, you, uh, before the civil authorities. Without knowing it, they've done you and me a favor, giving you a platform for preaching the kingdom good news. And don't worry about what you'll say or how you'll say it. The right words will be there. The spirit of your father will supply your words. Verse 21, when people realize it's the living God you are presenting and not some idol that makes them feel good, you're going to, they are going to turn on you and even people in your own family. There is great irony here, proclaiming so much love, experience so much hate. But don't quit. Don't cave in. It is all well worth it in the end. It is not success you are after in such times, it's survival. Be survivors. Before you run out of options, the Son of Man will have arrived. Verse 24, a student doesn't get a better desk than her teacher. A laborer doesn't get more money than his boss. Be content, pleased, even when you 
my students, my harvest hands, get the same treatment. If they call me the master, dung face, what can workers expect? Verse 26, don't be intimidated. Eventually everything is going to be out in the open and everyone will know how things really are. So don't hesitate to go public now. Verse 28, don't be bluffed into silence by the threat of bullies. There's nothing they can do to your soul or your core being. Save your fear for God who holds your entire life, body, and soul in his hands. Verse 29, what's the price of a pet canary? Some lose change, right? And God cares what happens to it even more than you do. In fact, he actually pays greater attention to you, down even to the last detail, even numbering the hairs on your head. So don't be intimidated by all this bully talk. You are worth more than a million canaries. Verse 32. Stand up for me against world opinion, and I'll stand up for you before the Father in heaven. If you turn tail and run, do you think I'll cover for you? Verse 34. Don't think I've come to make life cozy. I've come to cut, make a sharp knife, cut between son and father, daughter and mother, bride and mother-in-law, cut through these cozy domestic arrangements and free you for God. Well-meaning family members can be your worst enemies. If you prefer father or mother over me, you don't deserve me. If you prefer son or daughter over me, you don't deserve me. If you don't go all the way with me through thick and thin, you don't deserve me. If your first concern is to look after yourself, you'll never find yourself. But if you forget about yourself and look to me, you'll find both yourself and me. If you don't go all the way with me through thick and thin, oh, sorry, verse 40, we are intimately linked in this harvest work. Anyone who accepts what you do accepts me, the one who sent you. Anyone who accepts what I do accepts my Father who sent me. Accepting a messenger of God is as good as being a messenger, God's messenger. Accepting someone's help is as good as giving someone's help. This is a large work I have called you to, but don't be overwhelmed by it. It's best to start small. Give a cool cup of water to someone who is thirsty, for instance. The smallest act of giving or receiving makes you a true apprentice. You won't lose out on a thing. That's a long passage. That's a lot of stuff. We're not going to cover it all today, but we are going to get a glimpse of something. And that's what this is, our mission impossible. So what is our mission impossible according to John chapter 10, or Matthew chapter 10 for us? What is Jesus calling his disciples to? You know, it's interesting, the word disciple here essentially means a learner or a pupil. A student of Jesus, one who wants to learn the ways of Jesus, one who follows the ways of Jesus. So what did Jesus call those, or pardon me, call those who followed him to do many years ago? What is Jesus calling those of us who follow him now to do, to be? What, as disciples, is our mission impossible today? You know, this is an interesting passage full of language describing the present day for the disciples that Jesus walked on earth with. And he lists them off. But then also it uses language describing what the disciples will be like after Jesus is crucified and after Jesus is resurrected and after Jesus goes to heaven. All done in chapter 10. So what commonalities did Jesus call us 
and those who came before us too. What is our collective mission impossible? I think it's this. Simply this, mission impossible. Let Jesus' teachings go from my head to my heart. Let Jesus' teachings go from my head to my heart. From my head to my heart, as I would understand it, means from learning nice Jesus concepts to actually making Jesus my life. From my head to my heart, actually means living life in prayer and in passion and and in um, uh, power that Jesus did while he was here on earth. It means being sold out to the cause of Christ. It means knowing that this deep relationship with God the Father that Jesus had, and we can have it too. It means hard work. (laughs) It means taking and learning and letting it become our everyday Mission impossible from the head to the heart. Anything that means anything to us, of any value, has gone from where? The head to the heart. Relationships that we desperately love have gone from where? The head to the heart. So how do we do this? How did Jesus go uh, with his disciples and lead them from the head to the heart? First thing is this, it's time to step up. Verse 1 to 4, it's time to step up. Jesus called the 12 disciples together and gave them authority to cast out evil spirits and heal uh, every kind of disease and illness. And then he lists them all. The disciples, that is, there. (laughs) Jesus calls his 12 key students together. He calls Jesus' students um, together. So for us, it could be our small groups. For us, it's our church family. For us, it's the, those who um, say they love Jesus in Abbotsford. For us, it's those who say and follow love Jesus. They say they love Jesus in our world. All of us, disciples. He calls us together and he says, it's time that we do something with all that we've been learning. <laughs> Worship is not just coming here on a Sunday. Worship is going where God has called us to throughout the week, and taking Jesus with us. That's worship. It's time to step up. This passage is about Jesus sending those who love him out into the world. Up until now, the author, Matthew, he's told us several things, right? From from chapter 1 all the way to chapter 10. He's talked about Jesus' birth, which we get to celebrate this month, next month, and beyond. He's also told us about what Jesus taught, verse 5 and on, right? The Beatitudes, How it all fits with our everyday. How Jesus has come to change the way we think and take it a step further. But he's also then in the the last few chapters talked about Jesus' miracles. So he actually proves what he can do. He proves himself. He is great God. He is amazing God. A lot of that has to do with his work in creation. So the disciples have watched Jesus while Jesus has led. They've stood at his foot. They've come to a Sunday service. (laughs) They've read their Bibles in the morning, perhaps. (laughs) They've listened to his words. But now it's time for what? The disciples to lead. That's what he says here. Jesus called the 12 disciples together and gave them authority. Now it's time to go out. Verse 5, Jesus sends them out. It's time to lead. It's time to put all the things they have witnessed up until now into play for themselves. Before they got to watch as learners... 
Now they get to lead in public ministry. Before they got to stand behind Jesus. And, and if something didn't go quite right, they got to, oh, okay, Jesus, you're up there. Let's watch you do it. Now they're in front. What are they going to do? Now the Holy Spirit will lead them from within. These normal, everyday, different career disciples experienced stories and heard stories about Jesus as their Lord. In other words, as their Savior that he can save, and they watched him save them in many ways. And they watched him as Lord. In other words, they had the power to save them in many ways. And now it's time to stand up and stand out. Now he wants, Jesus wants the same for them. And he says the same for us. It's time to step up. You know, it's interesting that Jesus goes from using the word disciple here, student, pupil, learner, and he actually changes it. And he uses the word apostle. This word here, apostle, means a delegate, a messenger, an ambassador of the good news. So he... He goes simply from, even in the language, these are, my, these are my students. These are the ones who like to walk with me and listen to me. And he says, now you are no longer students. You are the messenger. So it's not just about listening anymore. It's about going. And he says the same for us. In fact, it's kind of cool. Mark chapter 6, which is a talks similar to this passage, it says they actually were sent out two by two. Jesus knows that we, we, we need someone else to go with us sometimes. And as I was thinking that, I'm like, oh, wow, who would I go with? You know, I don't know if I'd go with Simon Peter because he's always running ahead. I can't keep up, and he does do stupid stuff <laughs> sometimes. And, and he's, you know, he's jumping out of the boat, and he's, uh, really? Like, am I going to have to do that with you two by two? You know? I don't know if I want Thomas. He doubts everything. He's going to ask questions about everything. We're not going to get anything done. <laughs> you want to be with Judas? Hmm. <laughs> but he sent them out two by two, and he sends us together. It's a together thing, folks. It's a together thing. We step up together. But the, what they did do is they went out. Um, 1985 was a good year for Todd. You might not have been around in 1985. I was in grade seven. I had a teacher named Mr. Nickel. And I went to school in Chilliwack. And um, it was Thanksgiving weekend, so that many years ago, a few months ago. And I remember um, Mr. Nickel came to me and he said, Todd, uh, I, I want to pick you and I'm going to pick one other. And we're having a Thanksgiving uh, service at school. I went to grade seven at Sardis Elementary. And I want you to say a speech on what you're thankful for. Okay. I hate public speaking. I, 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 I know I'm before you right now. I really don't like public speaking. Never did. This was the first time that I really had to stand up in front of it. I think we had about 400 kids. I'm like, I knew it was the right thing to say, so of course I said yes, but I was just sweating. So I went home, and Mr. Nichols said, you know, go write your speech this weekend, bring it back to me on Monday, and say it to me. It doesn't have to be very long. Just tell me what you're thankful for. Went home, wrote out what I was thankful for, and uh, showed it to my mom. And she said, you know, Todd, like, let's read through this. So, so we did. And she said, this, this is good. 
Except he forgot one thing. And I knew what I forgot. Because this is time, Todd's time to step up. This is Todd's time to step up. And he said, you, you forgot about God. Like, God's important to our life. And all these other things are wonderful, but they come to you because of God. And I'm like, I, I know, but like there's 400 kids and I've never done this before and this is going to make me stand out. And, and, and the Holy Spirit is saying, here's the opportunity for it to go here to here. Here to here. Came to Monday, shared my speech with uh, Mr. Nickel. It was great in this little closet room. <laughs> Myself and that, the one gal that was sharing hers. So no one else could hear it. It was just me and Mr. Nickel. And, and I shared it and, and I said it all, even the God part. And he came up to me and he said, Todd, that was great. He says, you know the greatest thing is, though, I love Jesus too. You know when he said that? My heart just went boom. Because he encouraged me when I stepped out. There was nothing like it. So then when it came to Friday, I was ready and I got up and I said the speech. I've, if, if you've experienced the power of God in whatever way it's come, especially one of the first or second times that you've ever done it, and you just, it doesn't get old, by the way. Um, he doesn't get old, by the way. And, and I remember stepping off after my speech was stepping down. I'm like, whoa, that wasn't me. Whoa, I spoke and said things that I would not normally say. Whoa, and, and it was the power of God. And, and I, I, after that, I went home and enjoyed Thanksgiving weekend, and, and it was fantastic. And then Monday or Tuesday came, because Monday would have been a holiday, and we came to school, and I remember sitting down in class. I couldn't wait to tell uh, Mr. Nickel how wonderful my experience was and how great it was to be with him and thank him. And I get in there, and we have a substitute. Mr. Nickel had passed away that weekend. Hmm. Mr. Nickel stepped up, encouraged Todd to step up. I've never forgotten Mr. Nickel because I've never forgotten what God has done through him. It's time to step up, folks. It's time to let Jesus go from your head to your heart. I want to thank you for those of you who do step up. Mission impossible. Let Jesus' teachings go from your head to your heart. Better keep moving along here. How do we do this? We step up. How do we do this? Um, we go to God's lost loved ones. We go to God's lost loved ones. Verse 5 says this, Jesus sent out the 12 apostles, remember not disciples anymore, apostles with these instructions, don't go to the Gentiles or Samaritans, but only go to the people of Israel, God's lost sheep. Go and announce to them that the kingdom of heaven is near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cure with leprosy, and cast out demons. Give as freely as you have received. Don't take any money in your belts, no gold or silver or even copper coins. Don't carry a traveler's bag with a change of clothes or sandals or walking stick. Don't hesitate to accept hospitality because those who do work, pardon me, those who work deserve to be fed. You know, it's interesting, Matthew calls them here, he calls them lost sheep. God's lost sheep. And I think he does this intentionally because it's super important uh, for Matthew to remind us that these lost sheep still belong to who? To God. They matter to God. God cares for them. God created them. God deeply loves them. And he wants us to go to them. 
He doesn't say, wait for them to come to you. Go to them. Well, Lord, I don't know why they aren't opening, coming in through the doors of the church building, you know. Go to them. I pray, Lord, I pray that you put someone in my, you know, my, my path and that they would go to them. <laughs> go to them. Go to the lost sheep. The word lost here actually means to be destroyed. He's talking about future. He says, if, if we don't go to the lost sheep, this will be the result. Even though I love them, this will be the result because sin has separated the lost sheep from me. And nothing good comes out of not being with me. If you want to, if, I wonder how it goes from my head to my heart. And this is the way I think about it is everything we have good comes from God. So wherever God is, there's goodness. Even if on this earth we struggle with it, um, because we don't always see everything good, but in eternity, it'll even be more clear. So wherever God is not, there is no good. Wherever God is not, there is no good. So imagine that place where God is not. We are to go to the lost sheep. I, you know, for, for, the, for these disciples, because they were Jewish, they were called to go to those who were there. And I, I would take this, meaning that we go to those who are around us. <laughs> Don't worry about the rest right now. Why don't we start with this? Because this is Mission Impossible, and it's, there's a lot going on here. So let's start small. Let's go to the ones that are close to us. Let's go to what? Who? Our family. Let's go to where our places of work. Let's go to what's natural. Let's go to our neighbor. Let's go to one who brings us mail. <laughs> Let's go to them. And it says announce. You know, Let's go local. And then let's announce. Let's tell them. Let's herald. Let's public. Let's not just do it in deed, but let's learn how to talk Jesus. Let's learn how to talk love. <laughs> let's learn how to talk sacrifice. Let's learn how to talk I'm a sinner saved by grace only. Let's learn how to treat others the same. You know, and it continues on in verse 8. Do the impossible. Do the miraculous. Do the things that require God to be at work. He gives us this list, and I look at it, I'm like, oh, that'd be kind of cool if we could do that. But I, I don't think it's so much in the detail as he says, do the things that require God to be at work. Because when you do those things, God will be at work and he will be seen. Are you doing things that have to require God. Then it says, don't forget, as you're doing this, treat them as God has treated you. You have been treated generously, so live generously. Remember what God has done for us. I have a neighbor. My neighbor Don moved away six, eight months ago now, maybe more than that. He brought, the Lord brought him into my life for 10 years. We were just having some good conversations after 10 years about life, about God, about Jesus, about what he thought about it, about what I thought about it. And he moved. We have new neighbors, young family. You know, it's kind of cool that God uses so many things for us to be able to talk Jesus with people. I have raspberry plants. 
I have a curious four-year-old neighbor who happens to love raspberry plants. I knocked on his door. I said, why don't you come over and we'll pick some raspberries. I knew he loved raspberries. I asked his parents. He came over. He wanted to pick raspberries, but the raspberries were up here and he's this tall. You know what God, Todd got to do? Pick them up. He's picking raspberries and eating them and downing them. The journey has begun where I get to talk to a young boy through raspberries about the love of Jesus. Mission impossible. It's time to step up. It's time to let and go to God's lost loved ones. In fact, verse 9 and 10 here, it says, don't wait. Don't wait for the things that hold you back. How many of us say we're not ready? <laughs> we we, we got to have this. We got to have that. We got to have enough money. We got to have the right tools. We got to... He says, no, don't wait. Go in faith. Go with urgency. All you need is a few meals a day. Actually, even it's interesting. He says, you need to learn to accept people's generosity. That is one way that brings Jesus into the equation. I have a hard time with that. I really have a hard time with accepting people's generosity, and yet I want to give it to everybody. He says, you don't need much equipment. Why? Because you are the equipment. You are the means of the message. You're the story of heart change is the message of good news of Jesus Christ. You know, a reason why the list of apostles is mentioned here, I think it's because it's to tell us that we have the opportunity to make choices. What are you going to choose? Peter made a choice. He became the rock. God says you are the rock, and he made that choice. Matthew makes a choice here. It says he's the tax collector. He made a choice not to be that anymore. But it also gives us, and I'm so curious why he includes number 12 and what he says about him. Aren't you? Why does he put Judas in there? And notice what he says about Judas. The one who would later betray him. Because all of these guys had choices to make. And they watched Jesus and they could follow Jesus. And it was time to step up. And what did Judas do? He chose to go in a different direction than the others. Although I do believe that he had so many opportunities not to. But that was his choice. And so God says here, what's your choice? What are you going to do? Mission impossible. From head to heart. How about this? You'll face persecution. Don't have time. Longest part of the passage. Probably the one you're most curious about. You guys can have a look at it. Sure, we can have conversations later in small groups and whatnot. But know this, you will face persecution. Now, none of us wants to hear that, but here it is. There's no surprises. Everything's out there. And you want to go from here to here? Persecution will do that for you. You want to know how strong God is? You want to know how real he is? You want to know how powerful it is? I love verse uh, 1 here. His authority has come to you. Now go. You want to know how great God is? Go through persecution. But what do we do with persecution? I think most of us, I, I do, I won't speak on your behalf. We pray it away. Don't we? We pray it away. It's the last thing I want to do. It's the last thing I want my kids to go through. But it's the one that builds character. Again, it goes from here to here. Now, we pray for strength in persecution. Absolutely, we pray for protection. Absolutely, we pray, you know, there's a number of things we do. We don't just say, hey, God, whatever. <laughs> 
But he does say, stay alert. He does say, be, it, it's interesting, he says, be like a snake, be like a dove, be shrewd like a snake. In other words, um, be thoughtful, understand, be discerning, be harmless as a dove. In other words, be, be pure, be innocent, simple, simple faith. You know, I think probably one of the greatest mission impossibles is me. It's, it's me. I'm the mission impossible. Huh. It's not what God has for me. It's me letting him have his way. You know, lots here. Why do we do this? Why do we go through persecution? Verse 18 says this. This will be your opportunity to what? To give testimony and witness to everyone about Jesus. Is that what you're doing when you're called on the carpet? Wow. Encouragement without knowing it. You know, God gives us a platform for preaching the good news. God gives us a platform through persecution to talk to people about him, to show him how great he is, to show others how great he is so they can choose him. Don't worry about what you say, it says here. God will even give you the right words at the right time. In other words, the Holy Spirit will speak on your behalf. We'll leave persecution at that because time is fleeting. Last thing I just want to mention here is mission impossible from head to heart. Forget about yourself. That's verse 32 to the end. He says, forget about yourself. He says, stand up for me and I'll stand up for you. If you want to live a cozy life, I have not come for a closy life. I have come to free you to God and for God. And he says, sometimes people get in the way, even family. Family will pull you away. Family will pull you away from going from here to here. But if you go all the way with me, God says, um, I will go all the way with you. In other words, I will teach you what it means to go from here to here. And we know that because many of us have gone through that, right? We do. And they're the greatest times in the world, but they're the hardest times in the world. But I'm going to stop there because I want to invite Rita up. Rita, come. And as Rita's coming, I want to encourage you just with a couple of things. I think Paul, or uh, Paul, Matthew writes the names in there for another reason. Because he wants never to forget who he once was and what God has saved him from. You notice he's writing this book, and what does he say about himself? I'm the tax man. In other words, I'm the guy that everyone hated. I'm the guy that everyone I ripped off people. I mean, I'm the guy that nobody trusted. In fact, tax people weren't allowed to go into the synagogue. They weren't allowed to, to worship God like everyone else. They weren't even allowed to go be as witnesses in the court system because they weren't trusted. God came along and says, I love you. I'm going to trust you. I'm going to build you up. I'm going to change your life. He keeps it in there. Todd asked me to share a couple of stories that have happened lately. He knows because he's in my care group that I love to interact with my coworkers and other people around me. And I get promptings from God all the time. Here's a couple of them. 
driving home about a month ago, I saw this lady walking across Pierneville overpass in the dumping rain and her umbrella wasn't working well and I thought, I see her every day. I see her at quarter to nine when I go to work. I see her at quarter after five when I go home. And so I knew that she probably lived and worked in the same areas as I do. So I got home, parked in the driveway, and quickly walked down the street to this walkway, hoping she would be coming up. I wanted to ask her if she'd go with me to and from work, especially it's getting cold out. And anyway, I walked over there. She was nowhere to be found. I went home prayed about it, still felt like God was telling me, talk to this lady. So the next morning, I got in my truck, was waiting for it to warm up, and then I felt like I should pray about this. Please let me find her if you want me to ask her to go with me. I pulled out of my driveway, and she was crossing my street. So I pulled over, and I rolled down my window, and there's no easy way to ask a stranger to get in your truck. <laughs> I said, excuse me. I think we work in the same area, and I think we live in the same area. I see you every day. I'm wondering if you would like to go to work, or to and from with me. She kind of looked at me, and she said, oh, you're a very nice person. I said, so would you like to? I mean, like today? She said, sure. I unlocked the door. She got in, and it's been a month now of every single day. And it's been a blessing to her to get to work dry and warm and so on, but it's also been a huge blessing to me. She's invited me to her home. She knows that I go to church because, as it turns out, she lives across the street from one of you. And I said, oh, that family goes to my church. And then she asked me about church. And then she asked me about God. And every day she throws something spiritual in there. Some days it's a little heavier. Like, how do you know he's real? Tell me a story. And I've had opportunity after opportunity with her, and it's been wonderful. She's religious, but not in the same way we are. So a couple weeks later, there's a guy who my company contracts every now and again to help out. And on the Monday when the rain started coming, we had heard that maybe the highway would shut down, so the boss put him up at the Sandman because he lives in Chilliwack. And he did stay there that night. The next day, it continued to rain, and they were saying, I think the highway's going to close for sure. And my boss wasn't there that day. He didn't get him a room at the Sandman, and I kept thinking, I'm going to ask him if he wants to just stay at my house instead of trying to get to Chilliwack. I don't know him. So he got back, and we found out the highway was definitely closed, and he said, okay, well, I, you know, now what? And I said, well, would you like to stay at my house, or would you like to go back to the Sandman? He didn't want to put me out. He said the Sandman. We called, and we called, and we called. They wouldn't answer. So we went down there together, and they were trying to help people find hotels in other cities because there was nowhere in Abbotsford. I said, I think you're coming home with me. And so he did, and he's lived with us for two weeks now. And I think he's coming back later today. And he doesn't know God. He knows about God. I think he's been hurt by religion in the past. But he says amen at the end of our prayers for dinner. He told me when I was coming to church during the week, or no, last Sunday I, I'm going to church. He said, say hi for me. I said, to who? The big guy? He said, yeah. <laughs> so he's starting to see what it's like to be in a family with God. Um, 
I just can't say how much that the blessing has come to me. It's helpful to them, but I know that God put it on my heart. And I know that he is, I know that he wants me to make sure he gets the glory for this. And I have to stop thinking, oh, I'm a good person and this is great. Um, you know, because it's just too easy to think of ourselves and forget about God. But he picked me. And I need to make sure that he's getting the glory. I'm overwhelmed and thankful to have been picked so many times. And when I look back in my past, and I love to help. I'm like Todd. I'm super generous. I just, that's my love language. All of those have meant so much more to me than the best vacation I've ever had. They're long-lasting. And they are long-lasting with other people. You don't know who God has other people working on that are around you. Like I said, one of you is across the street from that lady. And your hello and your smile and your kindness, she knows that you go to church now. So, uh, <laughs> no pressure. But show her God's love. All right, thank you. Thanks, Rita. You can clap, you can clap. They... Makes us all on alert that we might be their neighbor, hey? Um, you know what, let's, let's do this. Um, I want to pray for us. I want to pray for Rita. Um, and I appreciate you, you sharing. Uh, Rita's like, she's one of us. <laughs> she's one of us. Like every day, one of us. Absolutely loved by God to love others. So I'll get you to stand and join with me, or you can kneel, or you can sit. But I want to pray for us, okay? So let's pray. And uh, we want to thank the Lord but also want to pray for us as we move out from here. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word, the challenge again. Um, thank you that you put things in motion that uh, even if we don't fully understand, that bring our understanding of you to a, a deeper understanding of you from our head to our heart. I thank you for those in our church family here and, and those who aren't, but but who follow you and have given us an example, like Rita. Ah, bless, bless Rita and those around Rita with your presence and, under, and, and, and knowledge of your presence and acceptance of your presence. And Father, because that's what eternity's about. It's about being with you for many. And Lord, we don't want anybody to not be with you for eternity. So Lord, I, I lift up Rita. I lift up each one here in our places of work, in our places of play, in our places of where we live, with our neighbors, in the places we have as families. Lord, it's, it's crazy, and, and I think this is every day, but right now it just seems like there's so many big areas where we can shine you. And, and however you choose, we, we thank you that you actually speak to us, and it's, it's that voice um, which sometimes we listen to, and, and, and things go amazing, and sometimes we ignore, and sometimes we say no to. Um, but Father, continue to help us to hear and decipher your voice, Holy Spirit. But Lord, we, we live in, a, in an age, or at least even a time of, we got floods going on where we can help people. We have communities in need. We have Christmas. Lord, you've given us a season that celebrates your birth and, and like it's out there and it's so simple. 
and so straightforward. And we can do many things to talk about your love for us. And Father, when we forget, please remind us of, of the story of how you, you die for us and you live for us, how you've changed our hearts. Even if we've forgotten, remind us again and again and again, please. Lord, burden us for those who, are, who don't know you, the good you, the great you, the awesome you, the close you, the valued you. And Lord, I pray all these things in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen.